The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. This episode is also brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, the Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every single day and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast like this one. Download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join my group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E. It's, uh, I don't know why they didn't let me use D period, but they didn't. So follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live every Wednesday, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, and join me when we go live every Wednesday night at Club 34-7. <laughs> What's up, guys? Oh, good Lord. Oh, so not only did we have to wait not like last weekend where we had to wait through the entire weekend and be the last game of the day on Sunday. We had to wait through the entire weekend, go to work on Monday, make it through the work day. And then you got to sit through the Raiders and the Browns. (laughs) Then we finally get the bears and the Vikings. And this, after all of that waiting, is what the Bears delivered. Now, I know that we were, I think shorthanded would be understating it, but um, and it's what's, what's frustrating about it is that it was an uneven performance once again. We got a victory-worthy performance out of our defense and our offense seemingly never left the rock locker room, especially when we got into the red zone. So um, it's late. It's been a long day. I'm tired, and I want to get this over with. So this is Bear Up, Bear Down for Week 15 for the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial So, uh, you know, when, when, when Chris and I talked last week, uh, preparing the, you know, doing the interview for the game and previewing the matchup, we did talk about how quote unquote wacky these matchups can be and how, uh, you know, the inexplicable things happen regardless of record, regardless of talent level, uh, between these two teams, you know, we, we talked about the, 2008 game where the, the you know like the the Gus Farratt uh, Kyle Orton battle you know almost you know netted 90 points 
in that game. Uh, fast forward one year to 2009, uh, another Monday night football game between the, uh, I think, like 11 and 3 uh, Vikings versus like maybe like what the five and nine bears, you know, two, two ships passing in the darkness, one headed in the right direction. The other one headed into a, a sinkhole of death. And we were the victors in that game. That's the, the famous Devin Aroma should uh, game. We, you know, we, we took the Vikings to overtime and we beat them. We, we stole home field advantage from them. And that's why they were playing the NFC championship game in the, um, um, all of a sudden I'm forgetting what uh, New Orleans dome is called. Awesome. Anyway, <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, but I mean, it's, it's been crazy. I mean, actually speaking of another Monday night game, 2016, the bears won three games in 2016. One of them was as a one in five team versus the like five and one, six and one Vikings in Chicago. Um, Jordan Howard runs for like 172 yards and we dominate the Vikings in that game. Again, our record says that we should have been the ones being dominated. And instead we went out and handed them their ass. And it was kind of like the beginning of the end. That was the year that the Vikings started like five and one, six and one or something like that. And then didn't make the playoffs. And, you know, it was like, I, I often wondered, it was like, was that, did the bears expose the Vikings in that game or was it just, one of those things, you know, like they, they weren't what they appeared to be in those first six or seven games. I mean, I guess both things could be true, but <clears throat> we get to tonight's game and, you know, as a bear fan, you had to temper expectations. Our entire starting secondary was on the COVID list. So they're not, they're not playing, especially when Jalen Johnson and Tashawn Gibson went on the COVID list yesterday. So no way they're going to, you know, they're going to clear protocols uh, in time. Uh, and the other 13 players that were on the list stayed on the list. In fact, only two people that were on the list made it off of the list. One was Elijah Wilkinson, and the other was Sean Desai, who cleared protocols today on Monday. So we, we at least had our defensive play caller that was going to be out there you know, prepared to do whatever he could with this scrap heap of defense that would have Akeem Hicks back. But since he hasn't played since the last time we were on Monday Night Football six weeks ago, what was that going to look like? So thankfully, that was a good result. But this football game was mind-numbingly frustrating. You hear me talk about it in knee-jerk reactions tomorrow that this very much reminded me of 2014 when in 2014 the Bears got swept by the Lions. And the Lions were a playoff team that year, by the way, so don't feel too bad. Um, but in, in both of those games, the Bears lost it more than the Lions beat us. You know, like we got swept by the Lions in a series where they didn't beat us in either football game. We just happened to find a way to lose both of those games. And that's very much how this game felt from the turnovers to the, you know, turnover on downs to being turned away uh, in the red zone, the blocked field goal, doing nothing with the blocked punt uh, that we got in the, what was it? Third, fourth quarter, whenever it was uh, in this football game to the penalties, 
one right after another. I mean, it was just, you know, it's like they just, you know, took my my number one key to the game that has been the number one key to the game for about six or seven weeks now. Um, they took it out back and shot it, set it on fire, and then pissed on the ashes because they just they could not stop getting in their own way today. Whether it was Nagy's some of Nagy's play calling because he was calling plays today because Bill Lazor was out. Um, to the like I said to the turnovers, it just it was so frustrating, so frustrating to watch. And and for the first time in a really long time, it's been a long time this year since you could say the defense played well enough to win. A long time, probably since that Raider game that you could say the defense turned in a victory. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Reworthy uh, performance. Well, actually, I take that back. Defense did well against Baltimore. They, when you only give up 16 points, you know, that should be enough. But, um, but the defense also folded when it counted. That was that little spell they went on during the losing streak where, you know, we just needed a stop from the defense. We just need a stop from the defense, and they can never give it to us. So, yeah, such a crazy year that we've been going with. And, um, yeah, so let's go ahead and get started here with uh, Bear Up and uh, Bear Down. And we've got uh, plenty of names on both lists, believe it or not. Um, first of all, let's start with the Bear Downs. Number one, Darnell Mooney. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what to do with Darnell Mooney these days. Um, you know, it, it, the, the, the touchdown that wasn't, in the corner of the end zone, he's you know flailing his body about as opposed to stiffening up so as to have something rigid touch the ground as he's falling uh, out of bounds. Um, so you know he made a great catch, but if, but didn't keep his body uh, in bounds or didn't you know stiffen out his legs. Instead, he's flailing his legs all over the place, uh, falling to the ground. He's also dropped some more passes. Uh, today his percentage was a lot better I think he caught five balls on eight targets nine targets or or whatever same thing with uh, Demir Bird now Demir Bird is on this list for two reasons number one because of the drops had some you know pretty important catches that he didn't make today 
and filling in for the injured Jakeem Grant, who left the game early with a concussion, muffed the punt. And muffed it in the worst way possible. Um, as opposed to something you see every once in a while, the ball lands funny or the ball hits you in the chest funny and you, 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 know, you don't catch it or it pops up off of you or something like that. It was almost like he sidestepped the ball and then stuck his hands out. And, and like, like he wasn't going to catch it. And then at the last minute, he decided he was going to. And he wasn't underneath the ball. He was kind of next to the ball as it was falling, stuck his hands out. And Minnesota, you got to give them credit, man. They were Johnny on the spot anytime there was a football on the ground today. Anytime there was a football on the ground today. Because I think we've, um, um, Quinn got a sack today, a strip sack, and offensive tackle right there to fall on top of it. Um, you know, and the, the Justin Fields fumble, boom, somebody's right there. The David Montgomery fumble, boom, somebody right there to fall on top of it uh, and everything. So it's like whenever we turned over the football, the Vikings were absolutely where they needed to be. We, on the other hand, were miles from where we needed to be. So bear down to Demir Bird, key drops, and the muff punt. It's like, you know, the defense gets off, gets themselves off the field. And we would have had decent field position. It wouldn't have been bad. I think, we, you know, if, if Demir Bird catches the ball, we're at our own 30-yard line, I think. But instead, he kind of stands next to where the ball was going to land and sticks his hands out. And, of course, it goes right through his hands. And the Vikings recover it. Bear down. And I hate to do this, but he didn't play well today. Don't let his stats fool you. Justin Fields did not play well today. He had his moments. He had his flashes. Absolutely. But overall, um, you know, some of the choices that he made uh, with the football, uh, and I'm not even talking about throws. He didn't have an interception. So that wasn't, that's not what I'm talking about. There was a, a, a sack that he had. He took a 20-yard loss on a sack because he wouldn't get rid of the football, and he was also hanging on to the ball way too long. Now, to me, this is a failure on two parts of our coaching staff. Number one, because we're not setting fields up to succeed. That's just, that's been a, you know, a chronic issue with the, you know, Justin Fields development here in his first year uh, as, as a rookie, you know, going, you know, five empty with the, with the protection, like on third down or something like that, knowing that the Vikings are coming and you're not doing anything about it. No chips, no backs staying in, for protection or whatever. And then nobody, it's apparent to me anyway, nobody has sat Justin Fields down and told him, you don't have to do this by yourself. You don't have to do it by yourself. You know, throw the ball away, live to fight another day. It's okay to punt, you know, that kind of thing. I know you want to make a play. I mean, that's, that's why these things are happening. Not because Fields doesn't know what to do with the football or he's panicking or anything. It's because he's, he wants to make something happen. He wants to be that spark that gets his team going. That's why he's making these foolish plays. You know, he, he's trying to make something happen. And it's not working. You know, it's not working. So you just tell him, get rid of the ball. We'll, you know, we'll huddle back up. We'll try again on third down. You know, that kind of thing. Instead, he just keeps pushing. He keeps pushing. He is pushing. And, you know, these plays keep happening. You know, he's losing too many fumbles. I think today was number number five, number six, and I think that might be on the generous uh, side as far as that estimate 
goes. And then the sacks that he took were mostly because he wouldn't get rid of the football. So, um, you know, his, his stats were not ugly at all. You know, Fields was um, 26 of 39, 285, and a touchdown, no interceptions. So, yeah, and take the 35 yards he had rushing, so that's three over, over 320 yards of offense for Justin Fields. But we scored nine points, and six of them were uh, when the clock struck zero for a garbage time touchdown. We lost this game 17-3. to Don't let the final score fool you. It wasn't that close. So granted, it looks like the Vikings were in another one-score game. They weren't. They weren't. <laughs> That's, they won this game by two scores. Don't let it fool you. So, but, um, you know, I, I, I will never, you know, uh, fault Justin Fields for his efforts. And like I said, I, I don't think that he's, it, it's not like it was with Mitch, where Mitch would just go into full-blown panic mode and just start running around and, uh, and, and you know, and everything like that. I, M- Justin is trying to make something happen. He's trying to be the spark. He's trying to be the leader, and he's getting himself into more trouble than he knows what to deal with. Because when you look at Fields and his demeanor, the way he carries himself, it's not panic. It is not panic. And it was with Mitch. You could see it in his face. He was panicking. So that, that's the difference between the two. It's, he's, he's poised. He's not panicking, which is why he's not doing anything stupid, like throwing the ball away or trying to squeeze it in someplace where, like Mitch would try to do. He's trying to make something happen with his feet or try to get himself clear so he could find someone downfield, and it's, he's not able to get away sometimes. And that's, what's, that's what he was guilty of uh, tonight, and it killed the Bears when it happened. So overall... Stat-wise, he did fantastic. You know, if you if he was on your fantasy team, he did great. Didn't throw any picks. He did fumble the ball, though. So maybe that hurt your fantasy if you, if you had him starting for you in the playoffs or whatever. I haven't played fantasies in years. I have no idea. But, uh, you know, 285 and a touchdown, 35 yards rushing. He probably got you some decent points today. But um, overall, I got to give you a thumbs down on your performance today, Justin. But it's the first of, I hope, few that you have as long as uh, I'm covering you on this show. Um, a couple more. Um, bear down. Travis Gibson. Now, overall, I can't complain with what we've been getting from Travis Gibson starting in relief of the injured and out for the season, Khalil Mack. You know, he's he's garnered a couple of sacks. Uh, he, for the most part, appears to be very disciplined in setting the edge and uh, and things like that, which is what you're supposed to do. You know, maintain that can you know that contain edge and then force the force the player back to the inside where all the traffic is. He does a great job with that, and it was I, I believe this was third and seventeen. No, that was a different play. We'll talk about that one, but I do believe it was a third down though, and we got. We, we, we saved the third down, so we're forcing a punt. Maybe it was a field goal attempt, something like that, for the Vikings. And in the it was starting to get real chippy at that point in the game. A lot of jarring and talking, going back and forth. And Gibson, right in front of a referee, walks up to somebody who's not talking to him, or at least it wouldn't appear that he was, as far as like the, the camera angle was concerned, and shoves the guy in the face. Just 
shoves him right in the face, turns us back and walks away like he didn't do anything. Flags start flying. It's an automatic first down, 15 yards, unsportsmanlike contact, and extends a drive for the Vikings that I'm pretty sure was over at that point. So, you know, I just, what the hell are you thinking, man? Seriously, what, what, what would possess you to do that? And again, that falls on Matt Nagy. I mean, I was watching the game. Uh, my buddy drove into town to watch the game with me. The poor bastard drove a long way to be so disappointed. But, um, you know, he was like, you know, that's on the player. I was like, it is, but it's also on the coach because he can, he does that because he knows he can get away with it. Maybe he'll take a brow beating on the sideline, but overall, there's not going to be any punishment. That's why Travis Gibson and every other player that does something stupid like that feels like they have the autonomy to do so because there are going to be no repercussions. There's, there's not going to be any, you know, he's not going to be uh, suspended. He's not going to be benched for the first quarter of the next game or, or something like that. He's not going to get fined by the coach for, for, you know, a personal foul penalty or something like that. There are no repercussions. We, we know that from Javon Wims and Anthony Miller. Instead of, you know, either one of those dumbasses being, you know, cut immediately when they got thrown out for throwing punches in open field in front of everybody. Javon Wims got to come back, made it all the way through training camp this year before getting cut. And Anthony Miller was still on the team until the Bears could find somebody to trade for him. So ultimately, there were no repercussions to those dummies doing what they did. And that's something that that's a stink that will carry throughout your locker room. And it has infected Travis Gibson because he felt it was okay in a tight ball game where we needed all the momentum that we could to walk up to an opponent in front of the referee and shove the guy in the face. Like, like it, it just, it just, it just boggles the mind. So on the last bear down, I'm going to save that one. Cause it's kind of a, a coupled, uh, bear down to go along with to coincide with a bear up because there was something that happened in this ball game one guy gets a bear up the other one uh, gets a bear down so I want to save that one for a little bit later so let's take a quick break we'll give ear to our sponsor and then uh, we'll come back with the bear ups and close this thing out on a positive note <laughs> this episode of the bears talk underground is brought to you by the spotify green room Guys, Spotify Green Room is free, audio-only social media platform for sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Talk with other sports fans, insiders, athletes, and executives in real time. Join in on conversations with me at Club 34-7 and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast. I'll be hosting rooms every week. Uh, for Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Come through and talk to me live on Club 34-7. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live. And again, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, you can join me on the Spotify Green Room for Club 34-7. Come in, let's have a conversation, let's talk bears, let's talk whatever you want. But in order to do that, you got to download the Spotify Green Room anywhere you get your apps. <laughs> bear up for week 15. Uh, let's start with the obvious bear up to Akeem Hicks. First game back in six weeks from, uh, I guess, a pretty gnarly ankle injury if it kept you out for a month and a half. 
Um, but he comes back and he makes an immediate impact. Not only did he did he make an impact on the stat sheet with two sacks today, but he was an absolute beast out there tonight. Absolute beast. And you could feel him feeding his energy uh, you know, to his to his teammates. And f- as far as like the front four was concerned, we're shorthanded, you know, pretty much everywhere else. Um, you know, Roquan's not 100%. Ogletree hasn't been playing uh, all that great. We got Travis Gibson uh, on the other side, as opposed to it being Khalil Mack uh, and everything. It's like the defensive line and Robert Quinn are basically the only starters that are still standing in this football game that are 100%. And um, he comes back and he's a lightning rod for the defense. And I did kind of have a problem, the fact that they seem to have him on a pitch count and that the Vikings were aware of it because it just seemed like the success that they had running the football mostly took place when Akeem wasn't on the field. Like they kept rotating him in and out. And I know that's a normal thing in today's NFL, defensive linemen and stuff like that. They rotate a lot. But I feel like they did have him on a pitch count and that he stayed out of the game a little bit too long when he was out. Robert Quinn was also kind of guilty of that tonight as well. It was like, where is Robert Quinn? Where is Robert Quinn? And then finally he would finally show up uh, at somewhere towards the end of the drive kind of thing. But, you know, he was outstanding uh, tonight. So if these are the last few games that, I mean, he's talking like they are. Um, he was mentioning tonight, if, you know, I wanted to go out there and, and, and play well and say goodbye to Chicago properly. It's like, I don't think he realizes he's got one more game left in Chicago against the Giants in a couple of weeks, but okay, maybe you're not planning to play the week 17. But um, anyway, uh, he was outstanding tonight. It was really good to see the old Akeem back out on the field because that was that's a guy we've sorely missed over the last six weeks. Uh, bear up to Damian Williams. You know, hasn't played much on offense um, since kind of the rise of Khalil Herbert, uh, if you will. But... Uh, He's been mostly on special teams, doing doing a really good job. And tonight came up with a with a punt block. And and I guess you can't technically call it a block punt, or at least I guess it won't go down in the stat sheet as a block punt. I guess it would go like more like a a deflection or a partial block or something like that because it crossed the line uh, of scrimmage. But uh, it gave the Bears fantastic field position at a time when, you know when we really needed it, and unfortunately we did. <sighs> absolutely nothing with it starting the ball at like our own at the Minnesota 30 yard line. So we already started in field goal range and uh, came away with nothing. So, but good on uh, Damian Williams. Uh, He was also there last week against the Packers. If, um, if not for Kendall Vildor's, um, you know, not coming back inbounds in time penalty, Damian Williams was the one who recovered the muffed punt uh, against the Packers last week. So he's really been getting it done on special teams, which I, which says a lot about him that he would, uh, he would accept that role, you know? So bear up to uh, Damian Williams, Uh, bear up to Robert Quinn, two more sacks tonight, which puts him, you know, one and a half sacks behind uh, Richard Dent for the all time single season record for the franchise at 17 and a half. So if he gets two more sacks, he breaks Richard Dent's record, and I hope he does it in the next two games, because then it would be, in my in my eyes anyway, a legit record. Because 
Richard Dent did it back in 84 when there were only 16 games. And, you know, so Robert Quinn would be able to do it if he does it in the same amount of time. It's, it's a, for me, it's a more legit record as opposed to him saying like he goes cold turkey for the next couple of games. And then when we play Minnesota again, he gets two more and that breaks the record. It wouldn't feel like a real record to me anyway. I mean, it would, it would stand as a real record. It would stand as a franchise record, but he got the 18 sacks in 17 games as opposed to what Richard Dent back did back in 84. So, but um, you know, he's, he's been outstanding and it's really one of those bittersweet things uh, about this season that Khalil, you know, had the foot injury and wasn't able to recover and needed surgery and everything because the two of them in like the five or six games that they played together this year were the, were the best sack duo uh, in the NFL. Imagine if the two of them could have stayed healthy all season, what both their totals would look like. So, but, uh, and also bear up to Robert Quinn. He's uh, one of two pro bowlers for 2022. So him and uh, Jakeem Grant, which I don't really see that one, but hey, you know, we'll take it. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm beyond livid that it's not Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn, but that's a bitch in session for another day. Um, bear up to David Montgomery. Um, just, man, I, I can't wait to get all of these guys into a, and, and, and I know that we have just as good a chance of getting a, a terrible offensive, you know, mind or, you know, a terrible scheme that we're not matched up for with our next head coach. But at least there will be some hope that the next guy will know what to do with, with the Darna Mooney, with the uh, Cole Komet, with Justin Fields, with uh, David Montgomery and be able to put these guys to use, make them useful and, you know, be able to spread the ball around as opposed to what Nagy does. Cause he was guilty of it again tonight. Anytime David Montgomery would have a decent run, you'd take him out of the game almost immediately. Or at least here's what would happen. It happened almost every time tonight. Montgomery would break off an 8-12-yard eight run. They would immediately run the ball again, which would almost every time got stuffed. Would either you know barely get back to the line of scrimmage or we'd lose yardage, and then it would be several plays before we'd run the football again as opposed to going right back to it or something like that. So over and over and over again, but Montgomery ran the ball extremely well. And, you know, it, it was, he ran the ball so well, you kept wondering why we weren't running the football more. You know, Montgomery ran the ball 18 times tonight for 60 yards. So just a little over three yards uh, a carry tonight. And like I said, that was because for every, run of eight to 10 yards that he had, he ended up losing a yard or two on the next one. And that's obviously more on the offensive line than it is on David Montgomery. But, you know, he's still a beast for us, man. He's still a beast. We'll, we'll, we'll get him the right combo, hopefully, while he's still wearing a bear uniform. Uh, bear up to Deion Bush. Got the interception today on, uh, on Kirk Cousins. Uh, stepping up. I don't know if he was playing for Eddie Jackson. I'm pretty sure he's playing in Eddie Jackson's spot uh, tonight. And uh, T's Tabor, I believe, was there. Was our Tashawn Gibson uh, this evening who got royally, royally screwed on one of the worst calls I've seen this year. And that says a lot. You know, this is also, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about a team that, that, that suffered from the taunting call in the Pittsburgh game. 
Tease Tabor, by, by the letter of the law, it would be a penalty if he wasn't trying to make the tackle, which is exactly what Tease Tabor was trying to do and did. That's what gets me. You know, it's it's not like that stupid ass penalty they called on James Daniels uh, in the Pittsburgh game where they said he tried to uh, cut T.J. Watt outside the tight end box. Number one, they were still inside the tight end box. Number two, he never touched T.J. Watt, so they were wrong on both ends on that one. But T.S. Tabor undercut an offensive lineman to get to the runner, got to the runner, and made the tackle. So that should have negated him because that was a rule that they were that they implemented to protect like the knees and the legs of offensive linemen that were coming around the corner because linebackers and DBs would just cut them off at the knees to kind of knock them down. Well, so they put the rule in place, but I'm pretty sure if the intent is to make a tackle, and that's what Tease Tabor did, he dove in there. Yes, he cut out the offensive lineman's legs. Number two, the offensive lineman did not go down. He stepped right over Tease Tabor. He went through the offensive lineman, through, you know, into the defender, knocked the defender down, made an unbelievable tackle. That was the third and 17 play. So it would have been fourth and 20-something because I'm sure they lost yardage on that play. Instead, it was an automatic first down because that's a personal foul. So... Yeah, the refs were on one tonight, man, that's for sure. But uh, Deion Bush played well. He had the interception. The whole secondary played really well, considering we were going up against, you know, one of the best passing attacks in the NFL. I think Kirk Cousins ended up with less than 100 yards passing today, and if you throw in the amount of yardage he lost with the sacks, he only had like 20, he only had 61 yards net passing for the entire football game. Somehow managed to managed to have two touchdowns and an interception, but he he did it throwing ball like seventy eight yards, and then after sacks it was sixty one. So go figure that one. It's just like looking at the stat sheet. You'd never think in a million years the Bears lost the game, but um, so bear up to Deion Bush and bear up to Sean Desai. You know, um, gave him a bear down last week because he just seemed like he never adjusted. To the, to the adjustments the Packers made in the second half, uh, seemed content to let uh, um, Devontae Adams take over the football game, which is exactly what he did uh, last week. I think he had two catches for 20-something yards in the first half, ended up with 10 catches for a buck 21 and two touchdowns. You know, like, okay. So you did nothing when the Packers adjusted to get Jalen Johnson away from Devontae Adams and just, you know, left it as is, and Devontae Adams destroyed us in the second half. Okay, but he did a fantastic job uh, with, uh, with what he had left to work with today. He had an entirely brand-new starting secondary out there, and um, they did a fantastic job, man. Um, they were really, really good, which also... <laughs> Because this is a glass half empty show, and at least it is in 2021, um, bear up to Thomas Graham Jr. And, um, but Thomas Graham Jr. is a wonderful example of how, uh, of the Bears' failure to evaluate talent. Because 
you know, this wasn't some pushover offense we were playing against today. I mean, all we talked about when we had Chris Gates on the show was how many was how well this offense is doing, averaging twenty plus points uh, a game. They've only scored less than twenty like three times all season. I think, including today. This is a team that has no problem scoring points. It's the other side, their defense, that has trouble stopping from people from scoring. So, I mean, today was a complete oxymoron as far as the Vikings are concerned. Their defense was outstanding, and their offense was terrible. But thanks to all of the mistakes that we made, they were able to do just enough to win the football game. It didn't take much, not against our offense, but Thomas Graham Jr. was a six-round pick of ours. We saw some flashes from him in the preseason. He gets cut on final cuts, signed to the practice squad, and that's where he's languished all season long. And with the way that this secondary has struggled, he never got a shot. He never got a shot. It's like, what the hell aren't these guys doing in practice to be able to give themselves a shot that we just keep going back to going back to work with the same guys over and over again when it was clear the only DB on the whole roster that showed up this year was Jalen Johnson. Eddie Jackson's phone is phoning in to Sean Gibson, not playing very well. Kindleville door was a, was terrible this year. Artie Burns wasn't much better. And instead we just keep trotting those guys all back out there. You know, never mind giving a shot to, you know, to Dion Bush, never mind giving a shot to Thomas Grand jr. Bringing him up from the practice squad and, Letting, you know, see what happens with him out there. Let's throw him in there. See how he does. You know, no, we'll just sit there and we'll play him when we have to. We wouldn't, you know, take it upon ourselves to put the rookie in there and see what he's got. Let's wait until we have no alternative to put him out there and have him make us all look like fools. You know, it's for the most part, guys, Justin Jefferson was a non-factor. And who was covering him tonight? Thomas Graham Jr. That's just a lot. So when everybody comes back next week, and hopefully they will by the time we play the Seahawks next Sunday, I expect Thomas Graham Jr. to be the other corner on the other side. I really do. I'll be sorely disappointed. I, I won't be shocked. But I'll be really disappointed if it's not the fact that he gets to be CB1A. You know, Jalen Johnson comes back. He's on one side. Give Thomas Graham Jr. a spot. Or at least get him in the slot. Get him in the nickel. Something. We got to get this kid on the field. He played too well tonight to go back to the practice squad. Played way too well. Especially since we play the Vikings again in a couple of weeks. We saw how well he did with Justin Jefferson. Keep him out there. And let me look at my list here. Okay, and here's the one, the the last one uh, that I wanted to pair up with my last bear down. Bear up to Tevin Jenkins. Now, the rookie's taking his lumps, and it's to be expected. Got called for a couple more penalties today, and um, one of those being a personal foul penalty. Why did he get a personal foul penalty? Well, on one of Justin Fields' scrambles, uh, he was able to, I think he got the football away, but he was shoved out of bounds by the defender. Now, in real time, it was really close as far as where he was on the field and being pushed out of bounds. And out of all the guys on the field, who was the only one that took exception and went in the guy's face and said something to him? 
Tevin Jenkins. He goes and gets in that guy's face. They start talking to him. And <laughs> here's what really blew my mind. And this, this also kind of goes with the whole, the, the referees always catch the second guy. Tevin Jenkins did not initiate the exchange as far as like throwing the, the punches and stuff like that. Tevin Jenkins goes up to the guy. He starts talking to him. And then another guy comes in and blasts Tevin Jenkins in the face. When Tevin Jenkins retaliates from getting hit in the face, that's when the flag came out. So that, that just falls under the whole they always catch the second guy thing. But bear down to the rest of the offensive line. Where the hell were you guys? Why was he the only one defending his quarterback? Why was he the only one that had something to say to those guys? Why was it we didn't start seeing those guys until, until Devin Jenkins was outnumbered like 6-1 to one before somebody else finally chimes in? And then again, bear down to Jermaine Afidi. Because number one, you weren't there to back up your boy um, when he was out there having something to say about this guy pushing his quarterback out of bounds like that. And number two, I, honestly, I don't have a problem with Jermaine Afidi, you know, chastising or correcting Tevin Jenkins, you know, because we're having enough trouble with penalties. We didn't need that one. There isn't a Bear fan on this planet who was upset with that penalty. Obviously, we didn't want it. But, it was like, but I'll take that one. I absolutely will. I have no problem with that one. But what's Jermaine Afidi doing? It's one thing for him to be out there and be like, dude, what are you doing, man? You can't do that. Look back in the huddle. But he is over, overtly like shoving and hitting Tevin Jenkins, pushing him back into the huddle. No. Absolutely not, man. You don't do that to your own teammate. Are you nuts? That's not supporting your boy, man. You can correct him without doing that. For you to embarrass him in the middle of the field that way. No way. Absolutely not. Like I said, no problem with you chiming in, saying something to the rookie. Like, hey, man, we don't need that, man. We we don't, you know, the, the pushing and shoving thing, you know, getting the flag. We don't need that right now. We're struggling enough. As it is, but for you to put hands on him, your teammate in the middle of the field like that. I mean, like, again, it's, it's something else entirely. If the two of you, if you get him on the sidelines, and you got something to say to him. Uh, granted, it's still out in the open, but it's much more private than being out in the middle of the field for all 61,000 Bear fans to see. You don't do that. You do not do that. So, you know, bear up to Jenkins for being the only one who stood up and, and Justin Fields said after the game, he's like, yeah, I appreciate him standing up for me. We could use a lot more of that these days. We could use some more of that around here, something like that. And he's absolutely right. All the shots that Justin Fields has taken, this was the first time that any one of his offensive linemen or anybody on his team has had something to say about it. So I want to see a lot more of that. And if Tevin Jenkins is going to be the guy that's going to take the bullet, you know, he's going to be the first one through the wall that gets bloody when, you know, when it comes to setting a tone for his teammates to show some love and respect for the quarterback, the guy that's supposed to be leading us and you do nothing when he gets thrown into the ground. Nobody did anything when Hendricks knocked him, you know, knocked the back of his head into the turf uh, and everything. Hendricks got thrown out. The referees did something, but our football, our players did nothing when that happened. So bear up to Jenkins. 
I feel like he's going to get better as it goes along. He's got the right mentality for this. He's got the right attitude, and he's playing for the Bears. So I'm riding or dying with, with Tevin Jenkins, absolutely. Jermaine Afidi, again, no problem with the, with the veteran correcting the rookie. Tell him there are better times and places for that kind of thing. But the minute you put your hands on him, you lost. You absolutely lost me. You know, it, and it, it was no longer a lesson after that. It was, abs- it was no longer a lesson. So, and then finally, guys, uh, most valuable bear, I'm splitting the award, Thomas Graham Jr. and Akeem Hicks. Uh, one makes, makes his debut, one made his return. Both were impactful and did an outstanding job for a very shorthanded defense tonight. So bear up uh, to those guys, most valuable bears for week 15, Thomas Graham Jr. and Akeem Hicks. And that will do it for us, guys. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with, with, uh, with our deep dive uh, review. We'll have um, knee-jerk reactions and uh, everything else uh, in between to close the book on this. And then immediately we go into prep for uh, Seattle because with the Monday night game, I don't get a day off in the middle of the week like I normally do. It's, you know, Tuesday for Bear Up, Bear Down, Wednesday for the deep dive first preview on Thursday deep dive preview on Friday to get you ready for the game on Sunday which also happens to be the day after Christmas so it's a busy busy week for us and uh, we'll get it through we'll get you through it as quickly as possible to get you through the Christmas holiday so anyway guys come on back tomorrow for the deep dive review and until then my name is Larry D and this has been Bears Talk Underground